0: Let's do it.
1: And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, Major Jr.
0: Hey, Connor McDavid of the Erie Otters. Matt Barzell of Seattle Thunderbirds. I'm Jonathan Yerwido from the St. John Sea i
2: And Braden Holpe for the Saskatoon Blades. Gabriel Landescog. I'm playing for the Kitchen Rangers. Hi, this is Sean Katrille from the Drummondville Voltageur. Carter Hart of the Everett Silvertips. This is
1: Taylor Hall of the Windsor Spitfire. Nathan
0: McKinnon from the Halifax Mooseheads.
1: NCAA. Hey, this Jack
0: Eichel. I play at Boston University. It's Alex Tirkot. Hey, it's Gail McCarve. Hey, this is Jack Drury. Hey, it's
1: Kyle Conner. Hi, this is Ian Mitchell of the Denver University Pioneers.
3: It's Morgan Baron from Cornell University. Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. Hello, this is uh,
1: Jerry York, the coach at Boston College. The World Juniors. My name is Andres Fischko from uh, Team Russia. Hey, it's Joel Faraby from Team USA. It's Norris Sider from Germany.
0: I'm Philip Broberg of the Team Sweden. It's Elliot Hall-Lennon. Hey, it's Nikola Ehlers. It's Matt Sogard. Hi, it's Timo Meyer. Hi, this is Jordan Eberle of in Canada.
1: The NHL
0: Draft. This is Alexis Lafreniere of
2: the Rimouski Oceanic. Hi,
0: it's Kunim Baiso from the Sudbury Wolves. Connor Zerry from the Kamloops Blazers. I'm Alexander Holz. I'm Lucas Freeman. Cole Perfetti of the Saginaw Spirit. Dylan Holler from the Wisconsin Badgers. Hey, it's Jake Sanderson, FS for Team USA. Brandon Schneider, Katie Dooley. Here's Mark Rossi. I'm from the other Senators.
1: And more.
2: Excellent!
1: This is the Pipeline Show. Good weekend and welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. That is me. Thank you. If you were a newcomer to the show, if you're a returning listener, then welcome back. And of course, if you're a patron, then I appreciate that extra support at patreon.com slash the Pipeline Show where you can sign up and uh, for a couple of bucks a month, you get early access to all the interviews that you hear on a full regular episode of the program. Some of the interviews that are included in this week's episode have been available to uh, patrons for four or five days even, uh, some of them. And uh, usually it's uh, uh, posted about an hour after uh, the interview itself is actually completed, and I've had time to edit it and uh, put it all together. And that gets uh, put up on the uh, on the page at the Patreon site. That's patreon.com slash thepipelineshow. Uh, and uh, patrons also get a heads up on who the upcoming guests are, the ability to uh, submit questions for those guests and get a shout-out during the uh, the interviews for for those questions. So lots of benefits to becoming a patron, and if you'd like more information on that, again, patreon.com slash thepipelineshow. The question of the week I uh, put up after yesterday's uh, completion of the round-robin uh, portion. That was on Saturday. As I'm speaking with you right now, it's Sunday. Usually the show comes out on a Friday or a Saturday, but this week, with the timing of the way the World U18, the round robin, was ending, the last games on Saturday, and the uh, the next round starting on Monday, I figured, you know what, Sunday's a good time to uh, put this one out so we can reflect on what happened in the opening uh, round robin portion. Uh, so the question of the day is, uh, give me a, a person that has exceeded your expectations. And I don't want, you know, who you think is going to be the best player as an NHL or anything like that. I'm talking about coming into this this event It wasn't really high on your radar, but the way that guy has performed, uh, he's suddenly someone that you're interested in. And there are a couple of uh, guys that uh, immediately come to mind for me as uh, I was looking at this uh, question and trying to answer it myself. And I haven't watched every game of the tournament. I'm not a scout. I I watch as I can. Uh, But a couple of the guys that stood out to me, Lane Hudson, the uh, really small defenseman, he's got five points, but just all over the ice. And I didn't know what to expect from him in this uh, in this tournament. He's playing, you know, he's an underage guy and he's playing up uh, really small. So, you know, this this is a guy who might not even get drafted uh, when his turn comes around. He's not draft eligible in 2022, until 2022, rather. But right now, listed at 5'6 and 135 pounds, does he have an NHL future at that size? Well, maybe he'll get a little bigger, you know, if he can get up to 5'10 at least. Uh, Maybe, but at uh, you know at five six, might be a tough ask. He's going to Boston University uh, eventually, but not. I think it's scheduled for like 2023 uh, to start. So long way away, but uh, having a really good tournament so far. Five points through the round robin portion for the United States. So there's the kind of guy that I'm talking about. Someone who has exceeded expectations. And the other player that uh, caught my eye. Uh, it's been a tough tournament for Switzerland, but uh, I've liked their captain Dario Sidler. Again, not a big guy, so I don't know if he's he's got a, a you know much of a career as a pro on this side of the uh, of the Atlantic. But listed at 5'7", and 160 pounds, he's got three points in four games for the Swiss. Wouldn't be surprised to see a, a player like that uh, being picked up in the CHL Import Draft. But he is draft eligible this year, NHL draft, I mean. But at 5'7", I'm not sure he's a guy who gets selected. Uh, when it comes to size, holy cow, did uh, did Leon Bixell ever stand out? He is a uh, a giant on the back end uh, for the Swiss. And I know lots of talk during the broadcast that I was watching that uh, he would be a guy on uh, CHL uh, rosters, or at least on their radar uh, for the import draft. He's also not eligible until 2022, but he's six foot five and 212 pounds, 16 years old. Uh, and immediately you think of teams that have uh, you know, a pretty good track record with Swiss players. The Halifax Mooseheads immediately come to mind. We'll see. So that's the question of the day. You can uh, let me know who you think has uh, stood out or who has ex- exceeded your expectations. That's on Twitter, at TPS underscore Guy, and I did get some response. Shauna says it's Thomas Militch, the uh, goaltender for Canada. He's played a couple of games. Not very busy that game against Switzerland, but uh, made a lot of saves against the Swedes in the opening game. Uh, Jordan says it's Olin Zellweger, and yeah, he has been one of those guys. Probably not sure what to expect from him. Uh, Matt suggests that uh, the other Canadian goaltender, who also hasn't played, obviously, a lot because they're splitting time, Benjamin Goudreau with a 9.25 save percentage, and uh, keep in mind here's a guy who hasn't played at all this year, as he's an OHL guy, so he's knocking off a lot of rust, as uh, Matt points out. So there's a few examples, let me know who uh, has exceeded your expectations, and hit me up on Twitter, at TPS underscore Let's get to uh, some of the news and notes, and a lot of people are being drawn to Matt Vemichkov uh, from Team Russia, who has been uh, just lighting it up. He's got 11 points. Nine of them are goals. Not eligible until 2022. And uh, really, I, I think everybody over here on this side is thinking Shane Wright's the automatic number one guy. Well, uh, Michkov might be making a uh, an argument for himself with the way he's played in this event. Some absolute highlight real goals. Really, really impressive player. And Nikita Chubrikov is second in the tournament scoring with 10 points. The Russians finished second in uh, their group. They scored 27 goals, though. uh, But Finland, uh, they had the tiebreaker. They finish in first place. So as the next round kicks off, your matchups will be Canada will take on the Czechs, Sweden will play against the United States, Belarus will get Russia, and uh, Finland will take on Switzerland. Let's go to the Western Hockey League. And the... uh, East division hub in Regina has come to an end. The Brandon Wheat Kings finish in first place with 38 points. Winnipeg right behind them with 37. And Saskatoon was right there as well with 35 points. Those three teams way ahead of the rest of the pack in the division. Prince Albert finished fourth with 22. Regina had 21 points. Moose Jaw with 19. And it was a tough year again for the Swift Current Broncos. Just six wins through the 24-game season. They finished last with 14 points. Uh, things wrapping up this week in the Central. The Oil Kings will win the division. They have uh, 10 points more than the Medicine Hat Tigers, who have 7 points more than both Calgary and Lethbridge and uh, Red Deer. Only 3 wins thus far. They've played 21 games, but they did beat the Edmonton Oil Kings just yesterday, 4-2. to Not a great game for Sebastian Kosa. Uh, I didn't see it from start to finish, but seeing the highlights... I think he'd like all three of the goals that beat him. There was an empty netter as well at the end, but it just seemed like he uh, was a little off his, his marks a little bit. Meanwhile, the BC division, the Kelowna Rockets had a a massive six, one victory over Kamloops a couple of days ago, but the, the Blazers came back and beat them yesterday. Kamloops sits atop the BC division with 26 points. Vancouver is next with 20. Then Kelowna at 17 and Prince George with 15 and, uh, Victoria, they've played 17 times, only have two wins thus far. And in the U.S. division, it is uh, all Everett all the time with a record of 15-4. and They have a a big lead over the Portland Winterhawks, who have 21 points. Then everybody else way back from that, Spokane has 15, Seattle 14, and Tri-City, which is 12 points. Seems like a a one-horse race in the U.S. division, and uh, I mean, let's be honest. Everett has twice as many points as third-place Spokane. Portland just happens to be in the middle of there as well. As for the scoring race, well, obviously with the East Division done, uh, they're going to have uh, the leaders right now. Peyton Krebs has 43 points. That's a really good season for him after uh, a 24-game schedule. Ben McCartney from the Brandon Wheat Kings, impressive year for him. 37 points in 24 games. Connor McLennan, great for him. With the Winnipeg Ice, as uh, not only did he stay healthy, but he was very productive as well. 33 points in 24 games. Now, as for players who were still playing and trying to catch them, uh, Jake Neighbors has 33 points as well. He is uh, tied for third in league scoring, so four more points. They've got uh, three more games left in the Oil Kings schedule. He didn't dress yesterday, though. Oh. I'm not sure uh, why that was, whether it was just a night off or if uh, if he's dealing with something. Brett Kemp in Medicine Hat has 31, and Cole Clayton has 30 as well, also in Medicine Hat. Cole Fonstadt having a terrific year for the Everett Silvertips, 29 points in 19 games, still going strong. And a couple of uh, undrafted Oil Kings, Josh Williams, who's been uh, passed over a couple of times in the draft, has uh, 28 points in 20 games, and Jalen Lipen, who was skipped over last year, has uh, also 28 points in 21 games. I I like Lipen a lot. I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he was taken this year in the NHL draft. Let's go to the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League playoff situation. The uh, round-robin tournament in the Maritimes is done. Bathurst wins it with a record of 4-2, and two, so they move on. They will play Charlottetown. And one series still left to be decided in uh, Quebec, as the BBR Armada are up two games to one on the Gatineau Olympique. But also through to the next round are Valdor, Ramouski. Shakutimi, Victoriaville, and Quebec. Uh, Just some seeding left to figure out there. And uh, playoff stats, the scoring race in the queue in the postseason, Riley Kidney from Bathurst has 12 points. Mathieu Degagnier has uh, 10 points. Mikhail Abramov of uh, Victoriaville forward has 8 points. Bennett MacArthur and Dawson Mercer with 7, rounding out the top 5. The USHL's Clark Cup playoffs uh, continue. A couple of uh, series have uh, been finished already. Chicago defeated Dubuque, and Muskegon uh, has eliminated the Green Bay Gamblers, so they move on, both of them. They'll play each other. Tri-City and Fargo have game three of their uh, best of three series today, and Omaha and uh, Sioux City play today and uh, tomorrow, if necessary. Sioux City leading that series one game to none. The Pipeline Show is uh, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Turkey. It is the home of Alberta's best beef jerky. As far as I know, it's the best beef jerky on the planet. So good, so fresh, so juicy, so delicious. Two locations for you, one in Leduc, one in Spruce Grove, Alberta. You cannot get it anywhere else except from them. So you can go to either location if you don't happen to be in the area, but you're in Western Canada, just get in contact with them. Their website is wilhockbeefjerky.com. Wilhock is spelled W-I-L-H-A-U-K. wilhockbeefjerky.com. Place an order with them and they will ship it to you anywhere in Western Canada. It's been three decades since they started making beef jerky and they have absolutely perfected it. Check them out. You will not be sorry. The guest list this week, just three guests. I had a fourth guest uh, planned, uh, but he... Had a freak injury. I was supposed to talk with the head coach of the Olds, Grizzlies. His name's Scott Atkinson, but uh, took a, apparently took a tennis ball in the eye and had to have emergency surgery. So I haven't heard an update on that, but I hope Coach is doing all right. I know the Grizzlies are on their way right now to uh, Brooks, Alberta, to play their final game of the AJHL season. But hopefully uh, Coach Atkinson is all right. and Maybe we'll uh, be able to get him on the show here in the next week or two. All of my guests join me courtesy the Troubled Monk hotline. You go to troubledmonk.com and slash shop, and a place your order there, make sure you use promo code PIPELINE. And if you live between Calgary and St. Albert, and that includes Edmonton and Sherwood Park, Leduc, Red Deer, Airdrie, all the towns in between, if you use promo code PIPELINE, you'll have free home delivery. And right now with the COVID situation in Alberta, uh, home delivery means you don't have to go out. And uh, that is a good thing right now. Stay home, everybody. Personal favorites for me: the juicy gossip, and I, I love getting the uh, taster pack because it, it includes the bucktooth Belgian white, and the Golden Gates, and the pesky pale, the pesky pig, and the open road American brown ale. They're all fantastic. But if you want to change things up, I uh, recommend the adequate vodka soda. It's a lemon lime flavor, and it is fantastic. So lots to check into, and uh, lots to check out. At troubledmonk.com, just make sure you use promo code PIPELINE, and you'll get that same-day home free delivery if you live within the delivery cities. And there's a the link on their website as well that'll tell you uh, which exactly the towns are that uh, that they'll deliver to. So the three guests that I have for you today, we will uh, begin things off with uh, Mark Edwards from HockeyProspect.com, who their rankings came out uh, about 10 days ago now, I guess maybe two weeks Uh, Wanted to talk to him about uh, some of the players that he'll be watching for at the U18 and some of the players that have stood out for him this year. And uh, look at their rankings. One notable kind of guy, a little bit off the radar, I think, for a lot of people. But uh, Mark and his crew always like to pick somebody out like that. Uh, So we'll chat with him. He'll be in our first segment. From there, we'll go with uh, Rico Blasi. He's the new head coach for a new Division I program, St. Thomas. The Tommies will have a hockey team on the ice next year. Enrico Blasi is a, uh, a Canadian coach, well-respected. He's been coaching in Division I for, man, must be uh, two and a half decades at this point. Most of that spent with the Miami Redhawks, but uh, we chatted with him earlier this week. And we will close things out with a 2021 draft spotlight segment. Player's name is Sean Chagall. He is a forward with the Calgary Hitman, comes from Whitecourt, Alberta, and maybe a player who's a bit off the radar right now, but uh, playing at a point-per-game pace this year uh, and a uh, player with some size, it's going to get some attention, get to know Sean Chagall in this week's episode of the 2021 Draft Spotlight. So that's the guest list. Let's kick it off, though, with Mark Edwards from HockeyProspect.com. He's up first here on the Pipeline Show, powered by Will Hawk Beef Jerky. Up down to Dubras, gains a Tiger-Lion, shoots, scores!
0: Hey, it's Jake DeBrusk from the Swift Current Broncos, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show.
1: The Troubled Monk Brew of the Week sure is a tasty one, but what is it?
0: bucktooth belgian white a light and citrusy flavorful beer this belgian white is a perfect patio pint try it with a freshly cut orange to brighten up your already sunny day player comparable patrick kane knows what season to turn it on and has splashes of
1: brilliance troubled monk visit the tap room in red deer or get free same day home delivery in alberta by placing an order at troubledmonk.com. troubled monk craft beverages worth sharing You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Fine ham abounds, mom. Welcome back to The Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. My name's Guy Flaming. Let's get to our first guest as we uh, head back to the Troubled Monk hotline. Good friend of the show is going to join me here momentarily, as uh, over the last number of years, we've always had someone from HockeyProspect.com come on the show throughout the season, get a set for the upcoming NHL draft. And uh, we do that again this week with Mark Edwards from HockeyProspect.com. Mark, welcome back to the program. How are things in Ontario?
3: Uh, well, probably could be a little bit better, but uh, you know what? There's always somebody worse off, so we'll keep the glass half full for now.
1: All right, well, let's get to the uh, rankings then, Mark. And for I think for a lot of people, this year seems to be one of those years where you might be able to take the top 10 or top 15 and just sort of put them in a blender uh, and uh, come out with any sort of combination. Uh, what about for you guys at hockeyprospect.com? Uh, I don't know
3: if I'd go as deep as top 15, but I think what's really interesting is um, the top six or seven for sure. It's really tight up there. I mean, I don't remember a time when our scouts, you know, we we had as multiple number ones. Like so, within between our ranking releases, uh, having a different guy at the top, and and multiple scouts having different guys and you know, literally like, like, you know, say it's, the, uh, Jerome, for example, and he had a guy at one and maybe I had him at four. I mean, that's just hasn't happened many times. Uh, but then, you know, a month later, you know, when we're still in between releases, you know, he's got that guy he had at one at three now. And I've got him at, you know, three also or two. I mean, you get the idea, right? It's just, it's bounced around a little bit. And I think a large part of it is just kind of the philosophy you want to take. Um, when you're trying to do your ranking. So, you know, the risk-reward, you know, for example, I would, I would say that um, a Kent Johnson, you know, probably has a higher ceiling than, than some others, but maybe there's a little bit more risk about him reaching that ceiling. Um, you know, we can debate all that. But so, so when you're ranking them, you know, obviously you just kind of decide, do I want to take a little more risk and, and push them up or play a little safer and take the safer guy? one of those safer guys uh, being a Matt Veneers, for example, who, you know, is kind of my favorite guy in the draft just because of how he's just so reliable. Um, we'll talk about him a bit more, but, but just as an example, right, there's, there's, there's two players that uh, we had Johnson way back in June as our number one uh, Veneers wasn't even in the top 10 at that time, I don't think. Um, and then Veneers quickly made it uh, up the list when we released in November. And and then obviously now he's uh he was third, but I mean, I can make an argument i I know t- the same thing talking to two n h l team scouts the wide range of number ones, I mean you just don't hear it I mean last year it was just laughing air laughing there, laughing there. the odd guy you know throwing in uh Stutzla, maybe um saying at least he's a challenger that kind of thing but this year this year, I'm hearing different guys at the top, you know three or four different guys at the top, which is it's fun, it's interesting. Um but I, I definitely think that is is one factor for this draft. that's making it um, a lot different. And then it just kind of drops off quickly with those kind of high end um, a level talents. I think it, it, it falls off a little bit around 10 or 11 and we get into some B's um, a little sooner than usual maybe. Um, but the D pool is is pretty good, you know, and what I see d, I mean like second third round talents, I think it's pretty good group of B's uh, overall and they go, you know, reasonably deep. Um, and again, this is all subjective deciding on what you think is an A and what you think is a B and that sort of thing. But you know, just from scout to scout, you kind of have in your own your own way how you objectively decide that and that you're consistent. It just gives you a a slight idea of the strength of the draft.
1: How difficult has it been with a very late start in the WHL? Uh, only twenty, twenty four games at at most for the WHL guys. OHL hasn't started at all. A few of those guys went to the higher-end OHL guys, got to go overseas and, and would play you know, somewhere between 10 and 25 games or something like that. Uh, that's got to be a real challenge, though. How do you actually go about slotting the OHL guys in appropriately? That's got to be tough.
3: Yeah, it's incredibly challenging. And, um, you know, the example, um, I was talking to someone last week about it. The example, um, or a couple of examples, but, but one I used was Tristan Robbins you know, he didn't really jump onto the scene until, until January last year. Well, if you're thinking about, you know, if, if, if he was this year, are they going to play long enough for the Tristan Robbins of this year to, you know, be able to ascend himself, you know, to the forefront and and be noticed and and be, you know, picked up the rankings or at, you know, even at all, sometimes, you know, um, so that's just an example that, that came to mind when I was just thinking back to last year about some guys that jumped on the scene a little bit later than others. Um, and I just don't know if there's going to be a long enough stretch here, um, you know, in the dub and, and there's a couple other leagues too. But, um, for, for those guys that, um, didn't get a ton of ice time in, in their, you know, respective league or were not even in the league, you know, and they're just, uh, the first year in the league, you know, you've got, You know, some kid in in Ontario who maybe was playing, um, you know, well, Junior B is an example with with Mayu. You know, he was Junior B, London Nationals. Um, And if he didn't go to overseas, I mean, he basically wouldn't have played. So, you know, you got an example of him who now there's tape on him in a a better league and he's put himself uh, well on the radar here. Uh, but what other what other Logan Mayus do we not really know about right now that played in you know Cornwall or who knows where or across the country in the Alberta Junior League? Who knows, right? They're they're, they're out there. It's guaranteed they're out there. So from that aspect, it's going to make it um, challenging. There's there's maybe going to be some risk reward picks um, late in the draft. Um, I think probably everybody's trying to come up with what they would do, um, and you won't decide that until you put on the tape. I mean, I think everybody's going to get back from the U18 and they're going to put on their OHL tape from last year and try and figure out, uh, you know, best they can where they can slot some guys in for the, for the ranking release. We tried to just for now um, stick to the guys that we saw play in some other leagues that went overseas, whatever. Now there's a bunch of them at the U18. There's a few now at the U18 that we're getting, you know, the first, first viewings of the season. And that'll be incredibly challenging because you don't want to, base everything on a two-week tournament, obviously. So, again, that's going to come down to how well did you know them, you know, last season, maybe some previous viewings. I mean, like for me, a Logan may I remember watching him a little bit in his OHL draft years. So I had a little, you know, a gut feeling and, and some views behind me uh, before I even watched them in his Junior B viewings and then ahead of watching them in Sweden. So, you know, we had him mid-first, um, way back last june and it's kind of held uh, we'll see we'll see how it, it finishes up on the final list and how it ends up down the road but he's just a, a player that i had actually seen live enough to feel comfortable enough and then what we saw in sweden but like i said there's there's other examples of logan mays out there that are not going to get the chance and it's heartbreaking really um i feel so bad for these kids that didn't at least to get in you know 10 or a dozen games which. I was really hoping that that's what the OHL would do, at least get maybe a month bubble and, and try and get in 12 to 15 games and, and, uh, let everybody at least get on the ice and, um, disappointing, but, um, as a scout, we just, we move on. I mean, our, our disappointment for not being able to see them is, is nothing compared to the disappointment we for these players in their short window, uh, to their junior careers period.
1: That makes me think the 2022 NHL draft is going to be a really good one because they'll be obviously the uh, high-end class of first-time eligible players. But there's going to be a lot of those late bloomers that you're talking about, guys who would have been the guys who sort of develop in the second half of this season. They might fall through the cracks, and then next year, uh, they'll look. Uh, it'll be those type of players who get picked up uh, as uh, overage guys. Or the 19-year-old. Uh, draftees the second time eligible players so it could be a really good crop of those players let's get to the uh, rankings this year obviously it's a, a a good draft for a couple of teams in particular right now you've got two Edmonton Oil Kings in your top seven Dylan Gunther at five Sebastian Kosa at seven uh, and the Michigan Wolverines have three players in your top four Owen Power is number one on your uh, ranking right now and then you've got Matty Beniers and uh, Kent Johnson at, at three and four respectively Uh, How big a difference, or are there more similarities between these two guys? Obviously, they're different players, but their value seems to be really close. Kind of share some insight on uh, both of these guys, if you don't mind.
3: Yes, I touched on it a little bit um, earlier, but just um, Veneers, I would say, probably a little bit um, less of a ceiling, a little bit uh, less skill than, than a Johnson, who's one of the more skilled players in the draft. Uh, but Beniers is, is a little bit more polished this time. His game's um, a little more complete. Um, you, know, you know, I could word it as uh, a guy that coaches at this point in time. You know, on today's date, the average coach would trust Beniers a little bit more to play in that, you know, crucial last couple minutes with a lead than maybe um, they would with a Johnson, uh, for example. Uh, was was fantastic on the penalty kill. I mean, as a freshman coming, <clears throat> excuse me, coming in and playing the minutes that he did, and the the responsible minutes, like the key minutes, um, where coaches have to have a lot of trust. I think it says a lot about him as a prospect. Um, you know, I, I kind of talked with a few people, and I'm just like, you know, I just feel like you could you could just throw him in at your second line center in the NHL and, and book it for a decade, and he'll probably wear a letter, um, you know, and. and Obviously, there might be some exceptions on a few teams, but I think in general, that'd be a, a good general statement for him um, where he could fit. Um, I had the chance to coach uh, Ryan O'Reilly a little bit, um, you know, at a similar age in, in early junior. Um, and they kind of remind me the same from the standpoint of that just that trustworthy, responsible, full, complete game, uh, incredible hockey sense. And then they're not skillless. I mean, Veneers, if you go look at his stats—he put up a lot of points this year as a freshman uh, in college hockey. So I'm not trying to trying to make it—you know—feel like the, the, he doesn't have any skill or that sort of thing. But I think if you compare him to goal scoring, for example, of a, of a Gunther or a, a Johnson, you know, to name a couple, then he'd be a little bit behind them. But he, uh, you know, he, he's he's just stronger in other ways. And then just to touch on Johnson a little bit, I mean, obviously, you know, you got a little vibe already. But him um, was our preseason number one way back last June, um, and then he got off to a little bit of a—I don't want to say slow start, but but the way the way power was, and then I thought Johnson was just playing a little bit of an immature game as far as um, turning pucks over, playing a bit of a high risk game. Uh, which which was kind of unlike him because actually one of his strengths is just a natural puck protection sort of game, um, which he he was actually pretty good at early. But then he would do just some you know just some high risk exposing the puck an extra dangle sort of thing here and there rather than moving it and getting it back. Um, so a little bit nitpicking, but you can afford to be nitpicking when you're trying to decide your top five and separate you know very little from some of these guys. Now that said. Um, I thought that he finished really strong, um, going to a little bit stronger in his skates um, and, and going to dirty areas, you know, uh, winning a lot more battles consistently, um, just overall in every area kind of stepped it up a little bit. But I really liked that he was he was bringing pucks more to the net, bringing pucks to the dirty areas and, and battling more and, you know, doing some of the things you're going to have to do at the next level to to still get your points. And then you combine his vision and skill, and that's why he's still you know way up our list. And you can make a case for him; I could for for number one still. Um, but like I said, I can make a case for Power Edvinson, probably Gunther. Hell, I could probably make a case for for our number one goalie close at, at, at number one if you if you really wanted to dig in. It might be a little harder to make the case, but it really is tight up there. Um, in the end, I think the biggest reason we went with those two D in the one two spots it's just it's so hard to get d any other way than is, if you draft them you know they're just they're just not available for trade they don't come up as free agents too often so if you don't draft them it's really tough to get them um, and and really that's that's one of the biggest reasons that the deer the deer 1 2 and then the forwards follow
1: mark edwards from hockeyprospect.com is my guest uh, there's a couple of defensemen we're going to chat about as well one of them i just had on the show last week um, that would be Brant Clark, who uh, belongs to the Barry Colts, but went overseas and played in Slovakia and had a, a productive uh, 24 or 25 game stint over there. I'm wondering what you see from him uh, in terms of his uh, growth and development, maybe where he is in comparison to what your preseason expectations were for him. I'm curious because I, I really enjoyed the conversation with him last week, his his uh, stock with me just went up uh, after our interview, so uh, I really liked his personality. So I'm I'm really curious to see where he's at.
3: Uh, he's first of all, I've heard really good things too. Um, I haven't interviewed him myself yet. Uh, hope to, uh, but I've heard some really good things similar to what you just said. Um, and yes, he did get to go overseas. Um, he played well over there. Um, it I was looking forward to to this week. I I think it's going to be. Um, you know, really good for him because he's gonna be relied on. I don't think this is the best, um you know, the deepest decor that the Canada's ever taken to the U eighteen. Um a lot of conversations with scouts about it being the weakness of the team and and it'll be interesting to see if they can hold. Now the good news is I don't think the other countries rosters are are stacked this year either. So I think Canada's still got a good shot, but just from the standpoint of Clark, I think it clearly makes him the number one and a chance to really kind of, you know, um assert himself as the you know the can carry uh the back end and be the number one um a tournament and hopefully help lead them to uh the gold medal game and, and and possibly win it. Uh he got up to a good start in the pre tournament game. I watched that. I thought he played played well and um it's interesting when going back to last year, um, my first half viewings of him uh, live in person last year. He he really struggled out of the gate, um, just with some decision making and defensive struggles and and that sort of thing. And then you know just like another you know other young players, he made some adjustments. He got a little bit more experience with the with the pace of the game at the OHL level. And post Christmas, he was so much better. And by the time I saw him, actually just um, Pretty close to the end before we were shut down in March, the early March, and uh, he had a couple back-to-back viewings, um, you know, at the entering last spring that were that were very good. Like he really really turned around his game from first half to second half, I felt. So coming into this year for me, I wanted to see you know um, if stronger, which I don't think has happened that much. Um, again, I've only seen him on tape overseas, so it's not like I'm in person where you get a little bit better idea of the the physical size in the skating. But um, from what I saw on tape, it looks, he's still getting pushed around a lot. He's, he's on the ice a lot, getting knocked around, which is not the end of the world. He's got time to, to gain some strength and work on that. But I would have liked to see it kind of progress a little bit from last year. And then the skating, he's a little bit knock-kneed, uh, but it's really interesting with him. Uh, I guess the best way I could say it is he gets every ounce of productivity out of his skating Stride and that knock knee, little slight knock kneedness um, that he can, uh, which really helps him kind of adapt and not not be a stopper in his you know quest to play in the NHL. I think because he, he actually moves around pretty well in that awkward um, stride of his. Um, for example, just going from the wall to the top of the uh, the umbrella on the power play, he does it exceptionally well. He moves really well, and then the strength of him. Is probably just his offensive, uh, IQ. The, the hockey sense, uh, when he's in the offensive zone, it, that's where he shines. Um, he's really quick, uh, making decisions and, and adapting to what's, you know, he sees around him and, uh, you know, both moving pucks and getting pucks to the net. So I think he's a really offensively, uh, gifted player, especially because of the IQ. Um, so for us, it was to watch that physical stuff, the skating and then just his, um, continued uh, adjustment to the defensive side of the game all
1: right mark let's finish it with a, another defenseman uh, that you have in your right in the middle of your first round this name might be a bit of a surprise or an unknown to a, a lot of fans out there uh, but he comes from finland his name is alexi Hemosalmi, uh, who is a, a defenseman played for a sat this year five foot eleven hundred and seventy pounds but uh, this is another one of those guys where y- you're identifying before A lot of other people have picked up on him. So uh, what can you tell me about Hema Salmi?
3: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I was actually thinking of you, Guy, when I I watched this guy for the first time because I came on the radio show uh, shortly after seeing uh, a kid named Heiskanen in North Dakota. And I just said, you know, he's only uh, 5'10". I think he was about 160 pounds at the time, but just immediately loved his game. Um, by the end of the tournament, you know, it hadn't changed. It just kept, you know, putting up data points in the positive, the positive department. So we threw him at the end of our first round there, um, as kind of an undersized guy. And, and even just that long ago to be at the end of our first round at that size was a lot bigger deal than it is a few years later, um, with, you know, a few more D that have kind of uh, had a chance to shine here. So. The, the reason I reference that is not because of the same player, but just how quickly I like Thomas Salmi. Um and and just the same in the same regard as Heiskanen just didn't make mental mistakes. Neither does this guy. You know, you, you can go a whole game and he's just not making um, you know dumb mistakes. Or in, in some cases, I think a couple of the, my first two viewings, I don't know if he made really a mental error. Um, he's not. He's not six four two twenty. Um, you know, he's, he's probably 5'11, 170 right now. So he's got to get bigger, stronger. Uh, but he, he skates really well. Um, I'm kind of an NFL draft, uh, fan and, and I steal the term that I see a lot when they when I'm watching some of their, uh, the NFL scouts do some prospects and they'll say like quick twitch. And I think he's got, you know, some quick twitch in his game where he, he can shake defenders and buy himself time and space. So we called one uh, play, that was an ankle breaker. He just made this quick twitch, and <laughs> the, the Ford checker literally dropped in front of him. He couldn't adjust. So uh, there's there's some uh, physical traits here that are shining as well as the brain. Um, watched his first game, uh, pre-tournament game. Uh, I was just curious to see, you know, game one, because uh, we just seen him on that big ice for the most part. I was in the U17 last season, and uh, he was really good on the weekend. Uh, wasn't on the ice for a Canadian goal, uh, so a good start for him. I'm really curious to see, you know, how he does here on the the big stage and and uh, on a not so fantastic uh, finished team here. So yeah, he's he's, he's one that's fun to watch. Um, every now and again, I just I really enjoy when I see a prospect and it's like they kind of jump off the page at me, and I like the decision making in the brain right away, and then it's kind of fun to keep keep watching and see if it holds. So. Um, we say a lot in our meetings, you know, did it hold? Well, so far it's holding.
1: All right, we'll watch for Hemasalmi at the uh, U18. Uh, but once again, another player that you've picked up on before um, pretty much anybody else that I've seen uh, as in terms of rankings out there uh, for this finished defenseman. Mark, where do people go to check out your top 32? And I know there's a top 64 available as well. How do people see that? Yeah, just go to hockeyprospect.com. The, uh, the links for uh, the top 32. 32,
3: which is free to view, right on the front page, and so was the extended uh, top 64 for our members. And you can check out uh, the full list. And then slight adjustment this year, with obviously the draft a month later. Uh, our famous NHL draft black book will be released, uh, hopefully at, right at the end of June. If we dip into July, it'll not be too many days into July because we want to get our summer started too.
1: Fantastic, uh, Mark. As always, really appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this. We'll talk again. Cheers, sure, Mark Edwards from HockeyProspect.com. How about uh, Alexei Hamasalmi being one point back uh, from the lead in defenseman scoring at the U18 after the round robin? He's got five points in four games. Viljami Yusula as well has five points in four games, both of them for Team Finland. Brent Clark, who you heard on the uh, show just last week, also with five points. For Canada, but Olin Zellweger and Corson Coolens, with six points. They lead the tournament in scoring by defenseman right now with six points each. Kuhlmanns didn't play in, I think it was Canada's second game for non-COVID reasons. And how about that for an injury update or, you know, when a guy is scratched for a game, you have to basically say it's due to COVID protocols or not COVID-related. Shane Wright also missed a couple of games for Canada in the round robin. All right, next up on the Pipeline show, we'll uh, talk some college hockey with the newest head coach for the newest Division I program, St. Thomas. It's a uh, university in Minnesota, right in St. Paul, Minnesota. They're joining Division I this coming season, and they reached out and got a veteran head coach, Canadian Enrico Blasi, the head coach of the St. Thomas Tommies. He's up next, here on the Pipeline Show, powered by Wilhock Beef Jerky. And the Finns will start a lead pass, finds Farinacci, it alone,
2: Farinacci scores! John Farinacci catches the
1: Finns on a change, and the United States retakes the lead. Hey, it's John Farinacci from the Dexter Southfield School, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. They used to tell me, boy, you ain't gonna know. Development. NCAA hockey offers all that, and its
3: players graduate at a 90% rate. Ben Bishop. Backhand
1: scores! Wow, what a goal. Andy Green. Goal! And Ryan
3: Miller were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow
1: at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. The cream
2: will rise to the top, oh yeah. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better.
1: It's The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming and we'll continue on this week's episode with an NCAA Campus Report segment, of course, brought to you by College Hockey Inc. If you are a player or you have one in your family and you need to know what you can and can't do to maintain that college eligibility, uh, then you might want to get in contact with College Hockey Inc., whether it's... Uh, Mike Snee or Nate Yule, or uh, lots of resources right on their website as well, and they can uh, answer any of the questions that you might have in terms of uh, knowing what you can and can't do uh, to maintain that eligibility. Uh, my next guest is uh, well, he's getting back behind the bench after uh, a year off, uh, 20 years behind the bench of the Miami Redhawks. Uh, it's great to have Enrico Blasi back on the show, now the head coach at St. Thomas. Coach, welcome back to the program. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me a pleasure to get a chance to speak with you again, uh, exciting times for you at, after a, a year off while uh, working in, in Providence, but a year off, uh, not being behind the bench, uh, this has got to be exciting for you.
2: Yeah. It's, uh, it's been a crazy uh, few weeks for, for our family and, uh, it's been, um, been great. Um, one of the reasons why, uh, St. Thomas for me was, uh, uh, somewhere I wanted to be was, uh, you know, the, the people in charge, the leadership here, um, just tremendous, uh, vision and and leadership and, uh, just really, really good people. And we align very nicely with our values and what we believe in. And, uh, so it's been, uh, it's been a great fit so far. And, um, uh, we're looking forward to getting to, getting to work and, uh, putting together a pretty good program and, uh, hopefully, in a few years uh, making some noise in the national tournament.
1: Now, did they reach out to you, or did you uh, contact them when it uh, became announced that they were going Division One? How's that? How did that all come together?
2: Yeah, it was a mutual friend that uh, recommended, and uh, kind of went from there. And um, just uh, just a good reminder that the hockey world and, is small, and uh, uh, making sure that you keep your relationships in uh, in good standing is important. Certainly, that was the case for me. Uh,
1: after uh, two decades at, at Miami and Oxford uh, in Ohio, uh, I imagine the closet was full of a lot of red uh, uh, ties and red uh, golf shirts and red jackets and things like that. Uh, has it made the transition to purple already?
2: It's uh, it's been an easy transition. I had uh, <laughs> pretty much done away with all that uh, a year ago. I was I actually had a lot of black with being at Providence for the year, so ah. um, but, uh, it's it's been good. Uh, you know we're we're looking forward to wearing the purple with pride and uh uh, making those our new colors and and uh and going from there
1: well it's it's a nice synergy new program uh, they're taking the step to division one it's a new program for you obviously you're all kind of doing this at the same time is there something about getting in on the ground floor that was enticing to you
2: i think so i think you you know when you when you look at what we're doing as a as a department, all of our sports are going division one. So we're all learning, the uh, the transition and, and the, the trials that go along with it. But, uh, it's an exciting time around campus. Uh, everybody's excited about all of our sports. Um, obviously being in the state of hockey in Minnesota, uh, everybody's excited about uh, our transition to division one hockey. So, um, you know, being able to um you know we had a lot of success in division three level here at, at st thomas so uh, being able to tra- transition that success to the division one uh level and and keeping some of those good values that we have as a university and building on those uh, is exciting for for us right you get to build this division one uh program and and um you know put a stamp on it and make sure that you you know one of the things i always say is leave the program better uh, then you found it every day. So uh, that's our goal: is to be our best uh, each and every day, whatever we do, whether it be in the classroom or on the ice or um, you know in the community. And uh, we're going to continue to focus on that and uh, take the necessary steps to becoming a championship uh, championship team.
1: Well, and also a new conference with the uh, the return of the CCHA, and uh, I, I wonder how quickly it'll take to to build those rivalries for Saint Thomas uh obviously we got a couple of teams right in minnesota that you'll be butting heads with but uh, do you get a sense already that there's a rivalry with anyone in particular well
2: not really not yet but i do know all the coaches and obviously being in the old ccha uh i have a familiarity with the with the logo and the feel and mm-hmm. and some of the programs that we'll be playing so uh, you know in hockey it, it only takes a couple of games before you have a rivalry anyway so i'm sure there'll be a little hatred going on uh uh, once the once the puck drops and, uh, you know, all these kids know each other now and uh, they're all following each other on social media. So uh, it won't take long.
1: Well, Minnesota State's got purple, so it could be a, a purple battle there. Uh, when you it comes to putting your uh, your schedule together, how far down the road are you in that regard? Because usually it's done a year or so in advance, isn't
2: it? Yeah, you know, fortunate for, for us, we, you know, our athletic director, uh, Dr. Esten, and uh, our
1: Division Three coach
2: uh, Jeff Besser were already uh, anticipating the move and um, and so they've, they've put together a pretty good schedule. Obviously we have our league schedule that starts in the fall and uh, we'll have a pretty uh, competitive non-conference schedule. Uh, we're still in the process of signing a few contracts so uh, that should be out here in, in the near future.
1: All right so it hasn't been uh, formally announced yet. I, ha- I was just looking online and I couldn't find anything so that's That's why I asked when it comes to building the roster, a bit of an advantage for you compared to some of the other programs in the last decade that have started up like Penn state and Arizona state, this transfer portal uh, is getting to be something that you can take advantage of. Isn't it?
2: It is. uh, You know, again, I think our focus is to make sure that we're building it the right way. And we're going to certainly use the transfer portal to, to kind of fill out our roster and, and, uh, and and gain some experience guys that are going to help us build our culture and, in our program here in the early stages. Uh, but I think it's also important that we're recruiting, uh, you know, the freshmen that will be with us for three, four years and, and develop them. And, um, you know, in the long run, that's how we're going to build our, our program for sustainable success. But, you know, I, again, it's, there's some players that are, are out there that need a place to play. And we have a few spots open still, and uh, we'll, we're certainly going to be, Um, diving into that transfer portal and trying to find out which guys are are willing to come and um, there's also always that financial piece of aid that comes into play so uh, there's a lot of circumstances that that have to come together but um, so far it's it's been uh, something that has helped us Um, you know hopefully we can get a few more and and round out round out our roster for next year and and uh, and take it another step from there
1: Will you have some players carry over from when they were division three up to division one, or is it a clean slate and you start fresh?
2: No, we will. We'll transition. I think that's the right thing to do. Um, there's a lot of these kids that, you know, I, I think deserve an opportunity to, to show what they can do at, at the next level. So uh, we'll probably keep uh, you know a good portion of them, fill them in with some of the, like you said, transfer portal and then bring in some some incoming freshmen. So, It'll be a, a three-pronged uh, approach, but uh, one that I think will be very competitive. Um, obviously, we'll be a better team in January and February than we will be in in September and October. But but that's the process we want to go through. That's uh, to me, that's the right way of doing it. We want to have long-term success. We don't want to have short-term success. So in order to do that, um, I think you have to take the the, the proper steps and in building your program, building your team. It's no different National Hockey League. You're going to build from the draft. Uh, You're you're not going to, you know, all of a sudden build a team through the free agency. Um, I think that's true in in our sport as well with the dynamics of recruiting and how they are today.
1: Just with the the idea of the transfer portal and how much it's being used this year because I know the the NCAA has allowed uh, guys to come back for a fifth year and that that carries over for the next three or four or five seasons doesn't it so in in general sense um if you were a team you know that's going to be losing some players right now it's an advantage for you but in the long run is this a good thing for college hockey the transfer portal
2: well i i think (laughs) it's it's hard to say right you you, we really don't know what what the next two three years are gonna 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 look like but uh, I think in the in the long run, it all kind of settled down here in the next year or two. Um, uh, in the end, I think what's important is the student athletes that want to come back and that uh, have that desire to come back, and the teams and the programs come together. I think it's going to be a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to be probably an oppor- you know, a, a situation where there's some incoming freshmen that will probably more likely have to play another year of juniors, which not in in all. In all cases is not a bad thing right um, you know, so I think it, it'll be institutionally uh, based in terms of what their needs are and what's happening um, I know there's some programs that uh, are bringing in their freshmen and actually keeping some of their seniors so um, so that'll be an interesting dynamic and in how that works but uh, I think in three years you know this this transfer portal will be a little bit uh, less than what you see today and um, you know, in the end, everybody's gone through a tough time with the pandemic, and uh, I think everybody's trying to do the right thing. Um, and you know how that goes. Sometimes when you try to do the right thing, it doesn't always end up being the right thing. But I think good intentions are, are there for everybody, um, and I think that's why the NCAA allowed that. Uh, hopefully this will all smooth over and we can get on to somewhat of a normal life after this, and, uh, and everybody will be better for it.
1: Rico Blasi, the, the head coach of uh, the Saint Thomas. I was going to say the Saint Thomas. Uh, what's the name? But it's it's just the Saint Thomas Tommies, isn't it? Tommies, Tommies, yes. There's so all the all the sports teams there. That's they're all just called the Tommies. I mean, it's not Saint Cloud the Cloudies. No,
2: but it's a Tommy is a tomcat. So we're, ah. we're going to you know, we unveil that uh, at some point here, and you'll be be able to see the mascot as well.
1: Excellent. Well, thanks for that. Uh, Rico Blasi the head coach at Saint Thomas. Uh, he's also a Canadian, uh, former standout with the uh, Wexford Raiders, seventy-four points that year back in. Uh What was that, late late 89, 90? Uh, Going back a ways there. But uh, what is uh, Enrico Blasi, the coach, uh, like from his players? Does he look like – does he go for the Enrico Blasi players, uh, guys who put up the big numbers?
2: Well, you know, you have to have some of that skill. I don't know if I was a high-end skill player. I was fortunate enough to play (laughs) with a lot of good players. And, you know, both at at Wexford and growing up in Toronto and playing for Stan Butler, who's, um, uh, you know, recently retired from the Branton Battalion but mm-hmm. um you know had a great opportunity to play with 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 a lot of those guys and and been you know uh with a lot of great coaches over the years so for me you know hard work is is a must uh compete level care level uh hockey stance being able to skate uh, obviously uh playing the right way and being disciplined are are, are really important uh pieces for us in recruiting um, you know, you're, you're going to have to have a little bit of everything when you build a team. Uh, I like to look at it from the goaltender out. And uh, we need to have guys that can, can stop the puck, obviously. We need guys that can uh, distribute and, and uh, shut things down. And um, and we need guys that can score goals. And uh, a little bit of everything will be part of our, our, uh, our repertoire and, and what we're for. And uh, there might be a little recovery. Or something
1: else. When you were in Miami, you had Canadians on the team. I know in Minnesota, you, you're going to have a lineup of players and so you don't have to go far to find guys to, to fill out your roster. But is recruiting from Canada something that you'll continue to do?
2: Well, I think uh, first and foremost, we're going to be, you know, focused on on our backyard and that's Minnesota. And, um, you know, we want to be regionally good as well. And, and then I think it's important for us to have a good mix of, of players from across not only the u.s but canada as well we have good networks in in ontario and alberta british columbia saskatchewan manitoba uh you don't go through the business for 26 years and not have Mm -hmm. a good network in in all those areas so we're going to explore all of them we want to make sure that we have the right fit for for saint thomas and what we're trying to accomplish here and what we believe in and what our values are and um, whether that's a canadian or american uh, we're going to explore him and make sure that uh, that he fits our culture and, and go from there
1: now I know the USHL and the and the Null played for the most part this year uh, a little bit more challenging uh, north of the border the junior a leagues uh, a lot of them didn't play at all and, and some of them played a little bit um, how challenging is recruiting at the moment
2: it's uh you know when you talk about the canes it's a little bit challenging obviously but uh, you know some of these uh, some of these guys don't you know have pretty good track records. So you got to kind of go back a little bit and and see what their track records like and where they've been and who's, you know, who they played for things like that. So, you know, when you're recruiting, you just don't, you know, I never try to take, you know, face value. You want to dig a little deeper. You want to go to their past a little bit. You want to get in into their DNA a little bit. And so uh, there'll be a lot of that involved as as well as some video that we have from uh, years past. So, uh, it, it's it's tougher. Um, you always want to kind of see it with your own eyes and talk face to face. But uh, if we've learned anything over the pandemic, Zoom's not bad. <laughs> uh, Facetime's not bad. So we'll we'll, we'll make it work. But um, there's lots of players out there right now looking for for places. So uh, my advice to to young Canadians and Americans is just be patient. Make sure that you're doing the right things and and trying to stay in shape and. Um, you know, if you can get on the ice, get on the ice, and um, you know the American players, some of the Canadians have come to the U.S. have played, and um, they've done a nice job of trying to keep their their leagues going. So that's been helpful.
1: Well, you got another four or five months until uh, knock on wood the, the start of the the, the upcoming season. Well, what's next on the agenda? What sort of things do you still have to put in place before you're ready to go? That's
2: a that's a great question. Um, <laughs> there's lots of uh, I've got, uh, I feel like I'm juggling a lot of balls right now, but, um, you know, obviously we'll continue to recruit. Um, we are in the process of kind of identifying our needs in terms of our team. Um, probably going to start the process of hiring our staff uh, here in the early part of next week. So going to dive into that real, uh, real heavy there, um, making sure that we get the right fit in our staff as well. Uh, you know, then there's uh, equipment needs and uh, uh, soft goods uh, for the players and ice times and finish off schedule and um, you know all the all those things that uh, uh, come with being the head coach of a, a Division One team that nobody really mm-hmm. uh, thinks about. But uh, there's compliance things that you have to do and uh, paperwork and all that stuff to get ready
1: for the season. So it'll be
2: a busy summer, uh, but it'll be fun and. Um, can't wait for the first
1: uh, first game. Yeah, it should be a fun season for sure. Coach, really appreciate your time. Uh, wish you the best of luck. Uh, thanks for doing this once again. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Stay safe. That's Rico Blasi now with St. Thomas, and I think I think that's a great hire for the Tommies, and uh, this guy's got a lot of experience, obviously, at the Division One level, and now with the advantage of having the transfer portal at his fingertips, it's a great way to kickstart a program. Uh, And it's in, obviously, a hockey-mad state. There's lots of reasons to think that that program is going to have success. And I think because of the portal, it's going to have success faster than programs like Penn State and Arizona State have had. And not just the Tommies are making use of the portal, but so is uh, Long Island University. The Sharks have been plucking players from other programs uh, this offseason as well. So both of those teams are going to reap the rewards from this. And I wonder, for me, I wonder if that puts other universities who have been on the consideration of Division I hockey, maybe that puts them on the speed track a little bit to say, you know, the time timing right now is pretty good uh, to start a program because we might not flounder for the first three or four years before our program matures on its own. We could take advantage of uh, this, this temporary uh, tool that we have at our disposal. So maybe we see teams like uh, or programs like Northwestern or Syracuse or Navy. That would be great. I would love to see that. All right, one more segment to go on this week's episode, and it is a 2021 draft spotlight. For that, we go to the WHL's Calgary Hitmen and speak with forward Sean Chagall, having a point-per-game season this year with the Hitmen. Get to know him next here on The Pipeline Show.
2: Hey, it's Jake Navers from the Edmonton Oil Kings.
1: Sawchuk. Here comes neighbors driving away. Backhander
0: scores! What a shot! Oh, Jake neighbors backhander on the rush. It's four-three Edmonton.
1: And you're
2: listening to a Pipeline Show.
3: Spruce Grove Saints AJHL hockey is back for the 2020-2021 season. Due to the ongoing pandemic, the attendance is limited at the Grant Fear Arena in Spruce Grove. You can follow along across social media at Saints and support the Saints by heading to sprucegrovesaints.ca and purchasing your Cash King tickets today. Over $33,000 in prizes to be given away. Again, head to sprucegrovesaints.ca for more information. The Spruce Grove Saints, proud supporters of The Pipeline Show.
1: You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Key Flaming. Ooh, that's a bingo. <laughs> We're back on the Pipeline Show. We'll continue on and get to know another player eligible for the 2021 draft as we turn on the spotlight once again, head back to the Troubled Monk Hotline, of course, down in Red Deer, and uh, free home delivery if you live between Calgary and St. Albert, and that includes Edmonton and Sherwood Park and Leduc and Red Deer and all the towns in between just mentioned uh, promo code is pipeline when you order at troubledmonk.com shop and my guest in this segment uh, comes from the Calgary hitman but he is uh that is Sean Chagall uh, Sean welcome to the pipeline show how are you I'm great how are you good I appreciate you making the time uh during what is uh, as we get close to the end of this uh 24 game WHL season how's things going for for you and for the Calgary hitman right now
0: Thus far, it's been a pretty good season. We've had our ups and downs. I mean, living at a hotel is probably not the most ideal situation. But, I mean, you're with your team every day, so it's kind of fun. And, I mean, what's better than playing hockey?
1: That's true. Uh, you don't even get to play at the Saddledome, though, either. You're playing just outside of the city. So that's that must take a little getting used to.
0: For sure. The bench is a little high, so I'm falling over the first few games. They're getting <laughs> over the bench. But overall, I, I enjoy it. I mean, it's our home away from home.
1: Is it actually a thing? Like, Have you noticed some guys maybe struggling with the bench? Oh,
0: 100%. First game, I took a tumble over the boards and trying to get out. I mean, so it happens.
1: Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, the Hitmen are 8-7-2 seven, through 17 games, as we're speaking right now. By the time this airs, there might be another game uh, under your belt by then. But uh, I know that the Hitmen had to take a break for a little bit, as uh, you guys had to deal with some COVID stuff as well. Um, Just how challenging has the last two, three months at least you get back to the ice, but then to deal with everything with all the protocols and stuff, it's got to be pretty difficult.
0: Oh, 100%. I mean, we're not seeing our families, not even our billet families. We're in our rooms all alone. I mean, even that quarantine in our hotel room by yourselves for so many days, it's not easy. And then the hotel workouts and the spin bike. and I mean, it gets taxing at times. I mean, you look at the pause side of it. We're going to the rink every day, skating, practicing working out as a team and that's just that's the best part of it all so i mean that's the reward And i mean we're all here for the same reason to play hockey so it's awesome
1: when you think back to you know the season normally would start in october and training camps in september and uh, all the time that you've had off it was i mean it was a almost a full 12 months before you're able to get onto the ice and, and get back into a regular season whl game think back to that year off and as tough it is right now that had to have been tougher
0: Oh, 100%. And there's days where it's like I've been working out for six months straight here. I don't want to go to the gym anymore. But it's like you got to find that extra energy. You said, you know what? You got a lot of guys can be taking those days off where you got to get back in there and get to work because eventually the season will start up again. And it did now, and we're we're almost done this 24 game season. So there was 100% times where like it got tiring. But the end result, we're here now playing. So I mean, I'm happy.
1: Yeah, could be worse. Could be the OHL, and you know what's happened out there, where they're they're not getting a season at all. And you've played U17s, so I imagine you got some friends uh, out in the OHL. That's got to be a pretty frustrating situation for those guys. Could you imagine that if that if that was the case here?
0: Oh, it'd be terrible. I mean, that's a whole year without playing games in competitive atmosphere. I mean, even for our first few games back, it was hard to get back in that rhythm again. But once you're in it, you're flying again. But a whole year without it just you just, you love the game so much. You love going to the rink every day. I know you saw Patch Marlowe's interview there. He talked about, he just loved going to the rink every day.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that's the facts of every hockey player. You just love going to the rink. So, and being without, without that, it's it, it's tough mentally.
1: Uh, Sean Chagall is my guest. He plays for the Calgary Hitmen. Uh, Sean, what we would like to do in this part of the show is let my audience get to know somebody that's in your position, being that it's your NHL draft season. So, uh, there'll be some casual NHL fans And amongst the uh, listeners right now, might not have ever watched a WHL game before, so might not know a lot about you, but perhaps their favorite NHL team uh, will have uh, selected you at the draft, so they're catching up on interviews with players like that. So for the benefit of those people, let's get some background. Uh, I I said you're from St. Albert. You're actually from Whitecourt, aren't you? Uh,
0: Correct, I am. I grew up in Whitecourt, and then I moved on to Edmonton to play fish minor hockey before moving into Western hockey region.
1: All right. Have you always been a forward, or did you ever try other positions, like when you were 10 years old or 12 or something?
0: I think I played for one game in Novice, and
1: that was end of that.
0: <laughs> and then I strictly forward.
1: <laughs> one game in that, and that's all it took, eh? One game, and my parents like, no, nope, not a chance. Uh, why did you have to move to Edmonton? Was that in order to play, or was that uh, like did your family move, or what was the situation?
0: Yeah. My family moved down, so I think was just a little bit more closer to training for, for more workout facilities, more on-ice, extra skill work during the summertime, and I was playing spring hockey there quite a bit. So, I mean, it was a, a weekend occurrence when I was driving in. So, I mean, it just made a little more sense to play minor hockey completely there.
1: I see. Okay. Uh, now, you uh, were drafted by the uh, Calgary Hitmen really early, uh, fourth overall pick back in 2018, so you didn't have to wait all that long. Uh, what was draft day like for you? I know the, a lot of guys get to stay home from school. Some guys will be following along on their phone at school and i know there were some players who were off at a tournament in philadelphia but i'm, I'm not sure what the situation was for you oh i
0: was in philadelphia in the tournament as well i, I was on the I was watching it live and then i think i watched the first 10 picks and i was on the way to the rink for our next game
1: <laughs> wow so when you're <laughs> off you're out of the country and you get drafted i mean what's what do you do to i guess celebrate i guess you're with some other guys who were probably drafted right around you
0: oh there's a lot of us guys there together who were in that situation i mean we all kind of Went out and played that game, had some fun, and I think we won that game, to be honest. And huh. I think that's the best reward in itself, just playing hockey on the day you're drafted. That's what it's all about.
1: Well, you get to stay in Alberta as an Alberta guy and play for the Hitmen. Any initial reaction when it was Calgary that chose you?
0: Oh, I was excited. No, Calgary's fairly close to home for me, and, I mean, what's better than playing in the Saddledome? It's such a iconic arena, and it's an NHL arena. Like, it doesn't get any better than that. I mean, my parents are happy. They can come down for home games and come support me, so... Overall, I was super happy with that.
1: You got eight games uh, as a, an underage player, so that's a nice uh, dip-your-toe-into-the-pool kind of feeling to get, see what the WHL was like. And then your following season, the rookie year, uh, 13 points in 56 games. How did you think things went for you?
0: Well, I think that entire rookie season was just an opportunity to adjust the speed. We had a we had a really good team last year, and I think it was just really good for me to see the players over there, Carson Folk, really high and forward, Riley Stotts, Mark Kaslick, Jet Wu. Igor Zamula, he's like we have a ton of players who are really high end and it's just time to watch them and get the pace of the game. And then now a lot of those guys graduated these opportunity for me now to move up and kind of step into those roles. That's what I loved about having such good role models on that team.
1: Yeah, a lot of great guys to play with and learn from. And you mentioned Zamula as we're speaking, making his NHL debut right now with the Philadelphia Flyers. That's gotta be exciting when you see a you know a teammate as early as a year ago. Stepping into the NHL already—that's that's got to be encouraging for you to know the guy was just in your footsteps, and the NHL's that close. It
0: is. I mean, we were having this conversation today at the rink where Z's playing his first game, and we're all just excited for him. I mean, he's a tremendous player, and like I mean, he was our teammate last year, and now he's moved on to the next level where we all aspire to be.
1: I mentioned thirteen points last year in fifty-six games. You're a point per game guy this year—sixteen points in seventeen games. Uh, that's obviously a big jump forward in your offensive production. To what do you attribute to that big jump? Well, I
0: think overall just my my confidence with the puck and my the whole game feels that like slowed down for me that I've adjusted to it. And I think that first year I I was just a little too much thinking with the puck and now it's like it comes to you naturally. I mean that's what it is. Just relaxed puck, make plays, and I mean I had a great summer of training on and off the ice and I just felt really comfortable and confident into the season. And that's all it was for me—just think off it yourself—and know, that's what I've done this season. Uh,
1: I should get a, uh, a self-scouting report from you. Uh, I mentioned the, the, the draft; it's a big year for you, and uh, there'll be a lot of people who uh, want a, a scouting report. So, if they uh, were able to watch you play, uh, what should they expect to see from Sean Chagall?
0: I'm a very tenacious forward. I'm very two-way. I'm a really good at like stripping pucks, really aggressive. off people's off people's stuff, you know, in their gear. And I love to shoot. I'm a shoot-first guy drive the net, power move, stuff like that. I mean, D-Zone's really important for me. I'm looking at my walls, picking up pucks, making plays. And that's small overall game. Just super heavy, fast, and I'm tons of energy.
1: What what got you interested in hockey in the first place? Was there, like, somebody into your family, your father, or a sibling?
0: My older brother played hockey before me. And, I mean, I went to all of his games, and I couldn't wait to get on the ice and start playing. I wanted to practice with him when I was little, but I wasn't old enough to be at. then once time came, I was couldn't get me off the ice.
1: Uh, how much uh, age difference is there between you and, and he? He's three years older. Three years older? Okay. I I had a brother that was four years older, same situation. I just wanted to do whatever he was doing. So I I can understand that uh, for sure. Does he still play?
0: He does not play anymore. But, I mean, he doesn't hesitate to throw on the skates with with me or shoot pucks in the garage. So I love that.
1: Nice. Well, it's uh, nice that uh, he was the inspiration uh, that got you going. Has the draft been something that's been on your mind much this year? When I talk to players, most of them will tell me they try not to think about it. But there are guys who say... They look to see where they're ranked and they use that as motivation. What about you, Sean?
0: Well, I think obviously it's there. I mean, I've had conversations at the very start of the year, when we even started the coaching staff talking. He said players shot themselves over the draft. It's gonna happen regardless what happens. So you have to focus on playing. And that's that's kinda of my mindset is. Yeah, it's there, but I got tomorrow practice. That's my that's my kind of focus right now, not the draft which is over a month away or two months away. I have practice, I have four games left. That's my approach to it. Just take it day by day.
1: I know a, uh, some of your buddies are probably off at the U18 right now. Is there, you know, part of you that's like, man, I wish I was at that. Uh, I, I should be on that team too.
0: hundred percent. I mean, that's better than representing your country and, uh, at the national level, right? So, I mean, that's obviously just another motivational factor for myself. I and mean, I'm not there, but right. there's no reason why I cannot perform my best right now and keep playing hard.
1: Steve Hamilton's uh, your head coach in Calgary. We knew him well here in Edmonton when he was the head coach of the Oil Kings. Uh, how has he helped you become a, a better player? He's
0: a really, he's a coach for keeping guys accountable and, and being super honest about everything that's happened. And I love that with him. He's, he'll be sure honest with you and what he expects from you and how you're playing. And it, that's just expectations and holding you accountable. And that's, he's done really well for me. And he puts me in situations that he feels comfortable putting put me in. And he is expecting me to, get there and make those happens, and that's the way it is. I mean, it goes both ways. You're not playing well, he'll be honest with you, and you're playing well, he'll
1: reward you. Uh, I was just noticing, you got in one game in the AJHL this year with, with Whitecourt, so uh, during that stoppage, this would have been back in, what, November, December, somewhere in there, that you got to go back and play in your hometown uh, for, the, for the Wolverines. It was only one game, but what was that like?
0: It was nice to actually be back home. I mean, I was living at home with the parents, which is always nice and fun to be with them, and. Playing hockey in hometown, you I know, mean, I was in the Scott Safety Center, so it's always my rink I grew up playing in, and I mean, I love the dressing room there, it's gorgeous, it's a brand new rink, and, or dressing room, I should say, and the first game there I played in Bonneville, which was a ton of fun, first time, or first and last time I might ever throw in that jersey, so
3: mm.
0: that was just a, a lot of fun, I mean, Cruz Palmer the same situation as me, which was, uh, he was with the Vancouver Giants, right. so we were there together in that same situation, and it was it was a
3: ton of fun.
1: That's awesome. Uh, i got to ask you about the name because I imagine you go into a visiting rank and I don't know, you get a goal or you take a penalty and you hear your name. How many different ways have you heard it being pronounced? Incorrectly, obviously, because let's be honest, it's not an easy name to figure out how to say if, uh, if you haven't heard it before. So what's the worst way you've heard it butchered?
0: There's too many ways to describe. The Shergill or Shergill uh, is pretty common one, but it, it happens quite frequently. I mean, it's is not an easy look at that. There's not even... Makes
1: sense. No, I don't even know what's what is the uh, the uh, background of that. Where does it come from? Austria. Oh, it's an Austrian name. Okay. Uh, what's your nickname? Shiggs or Shiggy. All right. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Well, Sean, listen, I really appreciate your time. Uh, I wish you the best of luck. As you mentioned, the uh, what you got? Four games left to go as we're speaking right now. I hope it goes well for you. And um, but the uh, by the time the draft rolls around, uh, by the way, who is? Did you have a, a favorite team growing up?
0: A favorite team growing up always been the Chicago Blackhawks.
1: Oh, any particular reason why?
0: Uh, I love Jonathan Taves as a player. I mean, that's one my first jersey they ever got. Jonathan Taves.
1: Nice. Well, a couple uh right. a local products around here making their debut with them this year. Brandon Hagel. Well, I guess he started there last year uh, a little bit. Ian Mitchell, another guy. I'm sure you crossed paths uh, with, with guys like that in the past. So uh, we'll see what happens at the draft. Uh, Sean, I appreciate your time. Best of luck, man. Thank you very much. Sean Chagall of the Calgary Hitmen, a six-foot 185-pound uh, forward who is uh, scoring at a point per game pace, not getting a whole lot of love uh, by the various rankings out there. Maybe this is a guy who's a maybe he's a later round, sixth or seventh round guy, but that's a good gamble to take on a player like that in his draft year, point per game. I would take that. He's a fourth overall pick in the WHL Bannum draft. Didn't have you know a, a great rookie season in terms of his offensive production. So maybe flying under the radar a little bit. This is a guy that might be, could be a steal. Maybe he's a sleeper. We'll see what happens on draft day for Sean Chagall. That wraps up this week's episode of the Pipeline Show. It's clean up time. That means I get to remind you, it is uh, better to wash your butt than it is to wipe your butt. It's more hygienic. It's uh, more effective, more efficient, and it's better for the environment because you're using way less toilet paper as well. But think about it, folks. Just picture you're, you're in the garden all day your hands are grubby do you wipe them off with paper towel or do you wash them same concept man i don't know why it's taken north america so long to catch on but it is uh, it's very common around the rest of the world to get a bidet and you can get one hello slash pipeline automatic 10 percent off just for using that link hello slash pipeline bidets are not expensive folks 100 bucks 150 bucks there's a few different options, so you, you pick the one that is uh, best for you. I highly recommend it. You won't go back. Thanks to all three of the guests that you heard from this week. Next week on the Pipeline Show, obviously more U18, and as a regular season wrapping up for more of the WHL and the USHL playoffs, will be nearing completion as the Q playoffs continue on. College hockey is done. OHL never started. Uh, we're going to pretty much be focusing a lot more on the NHL draft from here on until the end of July. Uh, But uh, it's been a while since we had someone on from the queue, so maybe we'll do that, kill two birds with one stone, maybe get a draft-eligible player if there's one available. Lots we can talk about. Until then, got to remind you, I'm in Alberta, and right now Alberta has the highest new daily cases of COVID-19 in North America. Yes, the vaccinations are rolling out. I have been vaccinated, so has members of my immediate family and my extended family. But the vaccinations don't prevent you from getting COVID-19. It is uh, greatly reducing hospital stays, and it may change it from people who would normally die to they'll only just be very sick. And those are all good things, but the vaccination does not make you immune. I'm not a scientist, but I listen to what what the doctors are saying. And when we're still being advised to stay home and wear masks and wash our hands and practice social distancing. And then I see things like this rodeo or these quote-unquote freedom rallies. Maybe we should call them pro-plague rallies across the country and a lot of them here in Alberta. I just shake my head. I don't want to get too political and I don't think this is a political issue. I think it is just a human stupidity issue. Everybody wants to get back to normal. But the only way we're going to get back to normal is if we start thinking about each other and what we have to do to help each other. Don't be selfish, folks. Wear your mask. It's not that big of a freaking deal. Anyway, I'm getting peed off, and I want to enjoy the rest of the weekend. I'll talk to you guys and gals next weekend. Until then, my name is Keith Flaming. This has been the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Go get some beef jerky. That'll improve things. See ya.